WTF Sharp is going on, guys. My name is Stasher, and I'll be your host for this first episode in this lovely podcast I'm looking forward to recording with you. This podcast is aimed to do two things. Number one, it aims to show F-Sharp developers what's happening with this lovely ecosystem. And number two, it's aimed towards a gentle introduction for non-F-Sharp developers, such as .NET developers who are curious about F-Sharp, have not yet fell in love with the syntax, but want to see what's going on. You can catch us at a few different places. Number one, WTFSharp.net. That's Sharp spelled out. You can also catch us on Twitter at WTFSharp underscore cast. And you can email me directly at hello at stashu.net. This first topic is going to be about Fable. Fable is a tool you can use to compile your raw, idiomatic F-sharp source code into lovely, idiomatic JavaScript code. It has a number of extensibility points and where you can really plug into the ecosystem itself. For the audio of this podcast, you should be able to find it anywhere you would normally find podcasts, in addition to this website, WTFSharp.net. Again, that is sharp, spelled out, S-H-A-R-P. I'm really excited to expose my journey through the F-Sharp ecosystem via this podcast. Before I do so, officially, I thought it'd be interesting and informative to give my background both as a software developer as a whole and also specifically as an F-Sharp developer. So my name is Stashu Kork. I live in the East Coast U.S. working on higher education software for a company just outside of uh, Philadelphia. I have been developing software for a number of years. When I grew up, I lived in a house with my, where my dad was a .NET developer slash DBA, and my stepmother was a, um, is a job developer slash BI developer. So I have a lot of background in .NET and non-.NET programming. I, I've been working in the .NET ecosystem for a while now, uh, predominantly with C Sharp. I've basically gotten F Sharp one day by getting bored at a previous job and just surfing it at and seeing F Sharp and then playing on a number of different sites and, and just fell in, love and fell in love with the syntax very immediately. I've given a lo- number of different talks along the East Coast US and one in Belarus most recently. I have given some workshops on F Sharp. Uh, specifically on just getting up to speed with the, the basics and additionally with some web programming. I've read most of the F-Sharp books that are out there as as I fell in love to it. I've, I've done a little bit professionally with F-Sharp, mostly ETL work, and even, even my girlfriend was actually met through F-Sharp. So I've, I've really fell in love with this community uh, via Twitter. Um, if, you, if you haven't really gotten into the community yet. I highly recommend getting into that. In any case, that's just a little bit about me before we get into it. If you want to contact me specifically outside of the context of WTF Sharp, I would do that through Twitter or email. My Twitter is at stashu.net. That's S-T-A-C-H-U-D-O-T-N-E-T. Or you could just email me at hello at stashu.net. At the beginning of this episode, I mentioned that this podcast was geared towards two groups of people. Number one, F-sharp developers who are interested in keeping up to date with what's happening within the ecosystem. And number two, C-sharp developers and other non-F-sharp developers who want to take a peek into this ecosystem and see what this is all about and see why all these F-sharp people are so excited about the language. To that end, I thought it'd be important to give a brief explanation as to what F-sharp actually is. If you go to the official website for the language, that's fsharp.org, F-S-H-A-R-P spelled out, .org, it says the following. F-sharp is a mature, open-source, cross-platform, functional-first programming language. I'd like to break that down. The first statement there is that F-sharp is mature. What is meant by that? Work on F-sharp started as early as 2002 
basically by Microsoft and people within the Microsoft world, especially Don Syme, the founder of Generics.net. It was officially released as of May 2005. Later on in 2010, Microsoft decided to include F-Sharp 2.0 with, directly within Visual Studio 2010. So F-Sharp's been around for a long time. In addition to just the sheer duration of F-Sharp's existence, there are a lot of libraries and frameworks built around F-Sharp. The second statement there is that it is open source. Right now, you can find all of F-Sharp's source code in addition to all of the open source libraries that are built around F-Sharp directly on GitHub at Visual F-Sharp. F-Sharp has been cross-platform since 2010 as of its F-Sharp 2.0 release. It works on macOS, Linux, and Windows. Finally, F-Sharp is a functional-first programming language. It takes inspiration from both functional languages such as OCaml and ML in addition to non-functional languages such as C-Sharp to create a beautiful language with gorgeous syntax that encourages functional-first thinking. Functional programming, at its very core, is considering functions to be first-class citizens and treating them as such. I can't go too much into detail for this podcast. In the future, we may go more into functional programming, but for now, know that it's basically thinking of functions as first-class citizens. If you'd like to learn more about F-Sharp itself, again, please check out fsharp.org. Hi there, guys. This is Stasio. For a quick intermission, I want to take a word from our sponsors. F-Sharp is not new to the web, neither on the front-end, client-side, nor on the server-side. On the client-side, we've had different technologies such as Pit, FunScript, and WebSharper who have done very similar things to what Fable is aiming to do. And on the server-side, we have had both .NET-compatible frameworks and libraries such as Nancy, SignorR, ServiceStack, and WebAPI that we've been able to pull into just as normal .NET developers, in addition to F-Sharp-specific libraries and packages, such as Freya, Suave, Frank, and Giraffe. Back in 2012, there was even a book by someone named Daniel Mole called Building Web, Cloud, and Mobile Solutions with F-Sharp that went over many web technologies as you interface them in F-Sharp, such as MVC, WCF, Cloud via Azure, Embrace, which is a server computation framework, WebSockets, etc., Although F-Sharp is certainly not new to the web, I think there's something very special to be said about Fable. If you go to Fable's website, fable.io, it claims to be the compiler that emits JavaScript that you can be proud of, and I think it follows through in that pretty well. In practice, I see Fable as doing four things. Number one, it allows you to write normal F-Sharp source code, taking advantage of all of the core libraries and execute it directly in the browser. This alone opens up education possibilities, allowing you to write F-sharp source code and then seeing it execute right there within your browser itself. This makes the on-ramp to F-sharp development very low. Number two, Fable allows access to core browser functionality by using bindings created by previous Fable developers. So you can perform necessary web development tasks such as creating alerts, accessing and manipulating the DOM, etc. This is the point at which I can utilize F-sharp effectively as I would typically use TypeScript as just a JavaScript replacement tool so I can live in a typed world. Number three, and I think this is by far the most important point, 
is that we can access the entirety of the JavaScript ecosystem via F-sharp, a statically typed functional programming language. The F-sharp ecosystem is huge. I cannot stress that enough. While I love F-sharp and I love uh, C-sharp to a degree, I, I can't say that I love JavaScript. I do love the fact that it is huge. You can do anything with it, really. You can do anything from front-end web development to AI work to console applications to GUI, and you can utilize now F-sharp to do all these things. And I think that's a huge gap that was previously not closed up. And finally, number four, you can utilize Fable to do full-stack development, especially via the safe stack, using Suave, the Azure platform, Fable, and Elmish, which we'll get into in a little bit. Via Fable, you can do client-side development, as you normally would, via Fable, having your F-sharp source code compiled down to JavaScript that you can run. And on the server side, you can take one of two choices, utilizing either normal F-sharp uh, server packages such as Suave or Giraffe, or you can utilize the Node.js environment and have your server run via F-sharp source code that is utilizing those. I mentioned previously that there are client-side technologies before Fable existed, such as Pit and FunScript that allowed you to convert your F-sharp source code into client-side JavaScript code. But I think there's something special about Fable. Specifically, there are technical reasons, but more important separator that Fable gives itself is a strong focus on being a part of the JavaScript ecosystem. And we'll see that throughout the rest of this podcast today. There are a number of really interesting people involved with the development of Fable. I want to take a minute just to go into that because especially the author of Fable, Alfonso, is a very interesting character. So his background is actually linguistic focused. He's someone that knows four, he calls it four and a half languages. He used to be a Spanish teacher in Tokyo. He's a translator for Nintendo for a while, turned software developer. And I think his background in linguistics has been really interesting in the development of Fable itself. I highly recommend checking out his talk recently from FableConf, which was a Fable-centric conference, uh, which is up on YouTube right now, which I'll link in the show notes. There's some other cool people that are in Fable, but I don't want to exclude any names, so I won't go into that. Under the hood of Fable, there are two components. Number one, there's the Fable daemon, and number two, there is the JavaScript consumer of that Fable daemon. The Fable daemon basically sits on a port, a TCP port, and it waits for messages containing F-sharp source code. So something sends it some FS or FSX or FSproj file, and from that it gathers all your source code, calls out to FCS, which is the F-sharp compiler services, returns an abstract syntax tree, and from that abstract syntax tree eventually outputs JavaScript. But how does it do that? From that abstract syntax tree, and if you're not familiar with what they are, it's basically a data representation of code. It takes that AST, the F-sharp AST that is normally used in your F-sharp compilation process. It creates another intermediate AST called the Fable AST. It takes that AST and compiles that into a Babel-compliant AST. And it uses that technology called Babel to finally get to JavaScript. So Babel is something that you can utilize in your normal JavaScript development, which takes different things. I'm not going to go into what all it can take, but it basically tapes, takes in different kinds of sources and outputs JavaScript. So Fable is heavily reliant on this technology. So this is the daemon side of things, where basically you input f source code, and then on the other side, you output JavaScript. In the consumer, you have a number of different options, that, such as um, the Fable loader, which uses Webpack, 
Fable Rollup plugin, which uses Rollup and Fable Splitter, which is a standalone product that can produce multiple files per source code. At the end of the day, you don't really need to know what all this is after you get started. There are a number of packages and templates that allow you to get started very easily, but I thought it'd be interesting to just kind of get a peek as to what's happening under the hood. All right, so how do we get started with Fable at the end of the day? Well, there are three ways. Number one, I think the best way to get started off is to go to the Fable REPL. The Fable REPL is a technology that in the browser compiles your F-sharp source code into JavaScript. If you go to fable.io slash REPL, you can see it there. After that, you can utilize templates, which I'll link in the show notes. If you want to take a break from this podcast to go play with those, I would highly recommend it. Fable does its best to translate your idiomatic F-sharp source code into idiomatic JavaScript. To make the output idiomatic and also performant, Fable actually re-implements a lot of the F-sharp source code and a lot of the F-sharp libraries in JavaScript, so it translates in a performant way. Most things do work when you're writing F-sharp source, but some things don't. So I want to take a minute to get into how things are translated and what things don't work. First off, I want to note that most things are supported that are in the F-sharp core and in the .NET APIs, at least all the regular .NET APIs it'll be tackling. All of the numeric types in JavaScript, sorry, in F-sharp are translated into the number type, except for int64, uint64, and bigint, which have their own special things in the translated JavaScript. Tuples in F-sharp becomes, become JavaScript arrays, F-sharp arrays become JavaScript arrays, etc. So you can imagine there's a lot of translation uh, that's going on there. There are many re-implementations additionally for .NET and F-sharp specific types, such as sequences, choice, events, list, map, mailbox processor, etc. I'd highly recommend checking out the actual JS folder of the Fable project to see how these things are implemented and to make sure your, your output JavaScript is performant. There's a lot of cool semantic and syntactic features that translate to F-sharp, so records, union, structural comparison, and inequality, list comprehensions, and other kinds of comprehensions, computation expressions, pattern matching, including active patterns, etc., all translate to JavaScript. So everything you could typically do in F-sharp, you can do in JavaScript. There are some potentially weird things that don't necessarily translate as well, um, or don't necessarily translate as you would expect them, Options are actually erased, so at the end of the day, you don't have options in your JavaScript code. Your mailbox processor is limited to functionality and is single-threaded. Generics are erased, additionally, just how options are. And there is limited support for .NET reflection and F-sharp reflection, although there definitely is some level of support. In every episode of this podcast, I want to feature some F-sharp work that's out there in the wild. There's two things I want to feature today. Number one... Someone output a means of interacting with the Minecraft game via F-Sharp. There's a really cool demo I saw on Vimeo the other day, and there's a blog post coming out on it soon. I'll, I'll link to show note, uh, I'll link to the, all this information in the show notes, but I'd really recommend checking it out, especially if you're interested in teaching kids uh, programming. This is a great way since kids love Minecraft. The second thing I want to feature is a book that's upcoming. It's called Concurrency.net, Modern Patterns of Concurrent and Parallel Programming. It's by my great friend, Ricardo Terrell. It should come out early next year. Uh, right now, you can pre-order on Amazon. What it does is it starts off with the basics of, of 
uh, all these different concurrency related topics such as the difference between concurrent and parallel and by the end you'll learn about more advanced topics such as p-link functional reactive programming the actor model map reduce patterns and more right now you can order again on pre on um on amazon for pre-order or you can go if you're a little bit impatient to the manning website manning being the publisher for this book and you can get the MEEP, which is the early access version of this. And right now, actually, you can get all of the chapters are available, and you can give feedback to them before it hits the press. I'd highly recommend checking out the book. I actually went through the first few chapters myself and did some editing. It's uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing the finished product. Although it's certainly nice to be able to convert your F-sharp source code into JavaScript, it's much nicer to actually be able to interact with the ecosystem built around such language. And in order to do that, there are three different ways in the Fable ecosystem to do such. The first of them is called emit, and that's basically inline JavaScript that you create bindings for. The second of them is import, in which you basically have references to actual JavaScript files that you create bindings on top of. And the third is TS to Fable, um, and we'll get to all about that in a little bit. So the first of those I mentioned is emit. And basically what you do is imagine you're trying to import or create bindings for the function in JavaScript json.stringify. Well, json.stringify in JavaScript is something that takes an object and outputs some kind of textual representation of that object in, in the normal JSON type syntax. In order to utilize this function in F-sharp, which obviously doesn't have that function built in, what we do is recreate bindings. And one way to do that is with the emit. So what you could do, again, this function is something that will take an object and output a string, is we will define a F-sharp function, so let JSON uh, string, or J let JS to string, or whatever we want to call it, uh, and then we can supply the type, where it's literally something that takes in an object and returns a string, and put that in the type definition, and inside of the actual body of such a function, we would put JS native, and JS native is just going to be something that's going to be ignored, but as an attribute to that function itself, or to that member, depending on how we're defining it, what we have is a textual representation of that native call. So it's basically inlining some kind of JavaScript reference. So, so basically, what I have there is I have let uh, JSON toString equals, or oh, then we have our type definition of object going to toString equals JS native, and above that we have an attribute. It's called emit, and inside of emit, there's a string that just says JSON dot uh, stringify, and then it has some kind of parameter, the way we represent a parameter, so the dollar sign, um, dollar sign one, if there's just one parameter. So that's kind of the setup there, and what we have there is basically just either parameterized or unparameterized JavaScript that's going to emit, or that's going to be emitted from the Fable compiler, and we're having that literally in the definition of the function. So that's the first way of defining bindings in Fable for uh, this JavaScript ecosystem. The second way in which we can create bindings for Fable to utilize things in the uh, JavaScript ecosystem is with import. With import, what we can do is we can import existing functions and values from normal JavaScript code base and create definitions on type of that or create bindings on top of that. So what you do is let's say you have a file, a, uh, I'm not sure, let's say we have some file called add.js, which literally just has a function in it that takes in two parameters and adds them together. Very simple, obviously, uh, and kind of contrived, but it'll have our example good enough. So what you have there is 
you have that file, and inside of your F-sharp source code, in order to be able to utilize that in Fable, you basically do a very similar thing as to what we did with emit. But instead, what we do is we reference the file name, so we can rep- reference add.js inside of an import attribute, and inside the function declaration, we can again supply the types that we're expecting, and inside of that, just put JS native. So very different from the previous thing. So again, with emit, what we're doing is we're basically inlining the uh, function, whatever we're going to be calling in JavaScript, and with import, we're actually importing functions that exist, actual JavaScript files. And an extension of import is that we can actually use that for NPM packages. So if I'm in my console, I import some NPM package, I can immediately then just reference that package in my F-sharp source code and then start creating bindings on top of that. The third and I think most convincing and promising means of creating bindings for the JavaScript ecosystem in F-sharp is using a tool called TS2Fable. What TS2Fable does is it's a tool that's created to piggyback off of the work of many TypeScript developers over the past few years. And what it does is it takes these uh, TypeScript definition files, and we'll get to what they are in a second, but it takes these TypeScript definition files and it creates the F-sharp equivalent. So if you're not familiar with TypeScript and the world that exists there, what it is, TypeScript is basically a language on top of JavaScript. It's a superset language that is typed and, you know, has... If I type the wrong type, let's say something's expecting string and I give it an int, it's going to yell at me, uh, just how we would normally expect in F-sharp. But what it does is when it came to be, it needed bindings and it needed to work with the existing infrastructure. So what it did is it basically created interfaces after the fact. So if you're not familiar with object-oriented programming, interfaces are just some kind of uh, blueprint that uh, the implementation code must obey. And what TypeScript people do is they take all that and they just create an interface that happens to be reflective of code that's already made. So let's say they wanted to work with Vue. What they could do uh, before Vue was actually written in TypeScript is they could just look at all the source code that's in Vue, try to figure out what types uh, would match best within their TypeScript language, and they would create that interface on top of it afterward. What Fable people have done is they've taken the same work and they've taken all these little definition files, or which which are files that end in .d .ts, and they've created a tool that takes these and converts them to basically the F# equivalent F# interfaces that happen to bind to existing JavaScript code, and it's it's really great. It used to be written in JavaScript itself or TypeScript itself, uh, and most recently uh, Cameron Taggart has done a great job and gets huge awesome points for converting this library and expanding upon it within F-sharp itself. So we're kind of dogfooding now, which is really nice. But basically, it has um, it's a great tool where I can basically call, you know, find TypeScript definition file wherever I can online for an existing project, plug it into a command line application and get output F-sharp. And then I can immediately start typing away and have, uh, you know, IntelliSense and whatnot against this rich JavaScript ecosystem right out the gate. Uh, Already, there have been many conversions that are done in the past, so I can do this with whatever I want, but there's already been conversions in the past. So specifically, there's a project called Fable.Import, which has built in uh, automatically, or not automatically, but predefined bindings for the browser itself, for Electron, Express, which is a, you know, Node.js server-side framework, there's Mocha, which is a testing environment. There's Node.js, which is, of course, the whole server-side JavaScript. There's PG, Pixie, Socket UI, 
uh, UWS, VS Code, et cetera, all these projects have some kind of TypeScript definition files. And what they've done is, they, is they've created bindings specifically for F Sharp. So in addition to those that are already in the Fable import project, there's also other projects. So I've seen bindings out there for jQuery, for Vue.js, for Moment and other small libraries like that, for WebGL, if you want to do some graphics for VS Code. Uh, VS Code is a very hot editor that people have been using, especially for TypeScript and other client-side technologies, including Fable recently. In fact, there's a um, there's a, a plugin for VS Code called iNide, which heavily uses Fable under the hood to get these extensibility points and be able to work on that, which is a, it's a great editor, which has live test coverage and all, all kinds of other features you should check out. In addition to VS Code, it's got Electron bindings. So if you want to create a desktop application using F Sharp and using your web technology, if you want to have HTML, you can do that very easily. So it's it's a really compelling space. Um, there's also some other uh, bits and pieces around the Fable ecosystem I've seen. Some WebSockets work, some testing work, etc. In, in my personal experience, I've actually, um, I have a demo out where I used uh, TS to Fable combined with some existing TypeScript definition files to work with web audio and web MIDI. So I don't know if you know this, but a lot of browsers have ability to both consume and produce audio. So uh, MIDI is a standard of, you know, communicating different events from keyboards, little, uh, whether they're full, you know, 88 key keyboards or they're, they're smaller uh, musical keyboards, that is, or they're smaller, like 12 key keyboards or whatnot. And I found a TypeScript definition for the file for that. I converted it to F sharp. I did the same thing with web audio, which is basically output side of that, if you will. And within, you know, just an hour or two at a coffee shop, I had it so I could be typing away on my little, you know, keyboard in a coffee shop and I could hear sounds coming out of my ears or not out of my ears, but into my ears uh, via F sharp. So it was really nice being able to get that typed interactivity via TS2 Fable. I think this is really some of the most promising work I've seen in a while in the space. So anyway, we have emit, we have import, and we have TS2 Fable, three really nice ways to be able to interact with the JavaScript ecosystem directly in F Sharp. And I think that's a hugely compelling point because now with a single language, we can, we can do anything really. We can do anything from creating web applications to console applications to rich you know, AI work, et cetera. And it, this really opens up the doors, doors based on the fact that the JavaScript ecosystem is so huge. What I'm going to do for the rest of this uh, episode here is kind of continue to explore the Fable ecosystem. And I hope you're bear, bear with me because there's some really exciting stuff in this space. The first project I want to mention here is something called Fable Power Pack. So a lot of things aren't necessarily as easy as you would think they would be when you're writing in F-sharp um, in terms of, you know, things like date formatting or fetching via HTTP or JSON parsing. You have to kind of hand roll your own stuff once in a while. What Fable Power Pack does is it kind of eliminates some of those pain for you. So Fable Power Pack is a wrapper around different client-side technologies or client-side functionality such as date formatting. And it includes uh, date formatting, fetch for manipulating HTTP pipelines such as requests and responses, does JSON parsing, it has some kind of big enum or a discriminated union for keyboard codes. It deals with promises, including a DSL, etc. I'd highly recommend checking it out if you're going to get into Fable. I have a little bit of a confession to make. I love F Sharp, and I've been doing F Sharp for a very long time now, um, at least in, in the terms of F Sharp. But there was a brief period of time, maybe six months, where I kind of cheated on F Sharp. And I did so with a language called Elm. 
Elm is a language invented in 2012 by a man named Evan Saplitsky as his thesis paper. And it's written in Haskell, and it's a great language that utilizes, or at least utilizes, the functional reactive programming technique. And we're, we're going to get a little bit now into what that language is, what that kind of pattern is for creating software, and how it's been now converted via a project called Elmish into the Fable ecosystem. In Elm, and if you want to see Elm in a little bit more depth than I'll talk to you about today, I'd highly recommend checking it out at elm-lang.org you have basically three components. You have a model, you have a view, and you have an update. And this is true at every level in your application. So whether you just have a simple counter that has an increment and decrement button, or whether you have a full-fledged application with many users in the system all the time, you basically have these three components. And so I know this is going to be kind of difficult to uh, explain over just audio itself. So, so please bear with me and, and pay attention for a second. So the first thing you have is a model. So let's say you're working with a counter, you know, specific, you know, you just have a, a zero on the screen to start with. You have three buttons. You have a button that says increment, a button that says decrement to the left of it, and some kind of reset button below it. Well, there's a certain way to represent this state. Specifically, since we only have that one number, we can represent with an int. So we'll call that the model. The model here is just some type representing my aggregate state. Okay, so given the model, we need to display it some way. So what we do is we have a view. A view is something that takes, is it's a function that takes our model and outputs some kind of view of it, whether it's HTML or some kind of GUI application or some console, whatever, it outputs some sort of view. So we have a model, which is just our aggregate state, which represents all the state in our system, at least within our view. We have an view function, which takes that state and outputs some kind of visual representation of it. And finally, we have an update. What an update does is it takes that aggregate state and it takes some intent to update such a state and then it returns a new aggregate state. So let's say again, I have this counter example. So I have this, this uh, model, which is just an integer. I have a view, which just takes the integer and outputs that number, pretty boring. And we have this update. Well, the update also includes what changes can happen. So really, I just mentioned that we have three buttons, and in this specific case, there are three buttons have one functionality each. So the increment button is intended to increment my counter by one. My decrement button is intended to decrement my counter by one. And my reset is intended to reset my counter back to zero. So how do we represent this? How do we represent state change within our software in a very centralized location. The way that Elm does this, and the way that Elmish also does this, and anything within the model view update architecture does this, is it actually represents this in typically discriminated unions. So literally, increment, decrement, and reset are discriminated unions. They're different kind of types, if you will, or values that are discriminated by this union. And Given that, so if I have a specific number, let's say my counter got to 10, and if I have the intent to decrement, what my update function would do is it would take my previous state of 10, take the uh, value of decrement, and it would return 9 just based on that. And we can have a central place where we represent all state change within our application. And this is basically it. Basically, I have this guy sitting around holding a big bag of state, 
every time someone gives me an update, I paint a new picture that holds that state. I can imagine some guy by the seaside, and he's he's literally got a paintbrush in his hand, and he, every time he gets a new state, he he creates a new canvas or he he paints on the new canvas again. So that's that is um, the model view update architecture, and that goes component uh, at the component level. So no matter whether an element has cho- children or not, that is how it works. And they talk to their children in a very special way. In any case, so that's what model view update is. So we have model view update. How do we take advantage of that within F Sharp and within Fable? Well, what someone has done is they've taken the ideas, at least some of the ideas behind Elm and the model view update architecture, and they've ported them to F Sharp specifically to be utilized in Fable most of the time. So I want to talk about a few different projects within that space. The first of which is Elmish, and Elmish is, is that port. And it supports really cool things like time travel debugging, hot module replacement, etc. And it, it's really nice, and I'm you know very easily able to create full applications within this architecture. So you can imagine using this versus using something like React or with Vue. And it's got really nice bindings within the F-Sharp ecosystem because of this project. In addition to the actual Elmish project itself, we have a number of other projects that are in the same space. The first of which is something called Elmish React Native. Uh, There's a recent talk by Stefan Forkman about this. It's great. It's basically uh, React Native is something that was obviously built on top of React, wherein I can write web technology code and get native applications on my phone. And, you know, whether it's Android or iOS or whatnot, I can I can utilize these web technologies to to re-exercise my skills. What someone's done is they've extended the Elmish technology that we mentioned before that has this model view update architecture, and they've extended it so it could be used on the phone. Uh, there's been a, a talk recently by Stefan Forkman, I might have mentioned, uh, that goes over this in depth. But if you want to make mobile applications, this is a great space to check out. In addition to being able to make mobile applications with this architecture, we can also make desktop applications. So we um, not only have the ability to use Electron with this, but additionally, we have specific bindings for WPF and also for Xamarin Forms, uh, both of which I'll link in the show notes if you want to get into more. So Elmish is great, and you know it's, it provides the ability to create this model view update architecture within Fable and within F-Sharp, but it doesn't address everything. We still have to work with other web technologies such as CSS. Luckily, there's a project group called FOMA that addressed this concern. So first, before I get into FOMA, I should really mention what Bulma is. Bulma is an, yet another CSS framework based on Flexbox. It has all your basic things like uh, colors, typography helpers, etc. It has a column system very similar to the grid system in Bootstrap. It has containers ex- including metro-like tiles. It has form helpers. Element helpers for things like buttons, components such as breadcrumbs, modals, navbars, paginators, panels, tabs, etc. It's got a bunch of stuff. And what FOMA does is it wraps this wraps uh, around this in the uh, or for Fable, which is great. Um, so all of the CSS classes are able to be accessed in a static way, so I can utilize them within uh, Fable Elmish. Um, which which is really convenient to be able to do that and be able to style in a, a static way and not have to guess at the, what the classes are or remember what they are all the time. In addition to Bulma, there's also a package called Bulma Extensions, which are naturally just a set of side projects that build on top of Bulma's uh, core framework. 
And this includes things like a pricing table, a mega menu, sexier checkboxes, slider switches, uh, calendar, page loader, ribbon, wizard steps, tooltips, timeline, etc. Lots of cool little projects that you might need when you're building a web application because at the end of the day, we're using Fable to build real web applications. So Foma Extensions, which is another F-sharp project, as you can guess, is a wrapper around that. It provides um, a, a wrapper around Bulma extensions. It currently supports the calendar, a check radio, uh, dividers, page loader, which look really nice, uh, slider, switch, and tool tips. And I'm sure as time progresses, it'll support more and more things. And finally, we have Fab- uh, Fulma Elmish. And what Fulma Elmish is, is it provides full component-like Elmish components, which uh, fit into the whole model view architecture or model view update architecture. Um, which is really nice. And currently it just supports the date picker uh, that's built into Fulma. Uh, you know, if you want to select a date, it really gives you a nice way to be able to to bind into that. Um, in any case, I'd highly recommend checking out the Fulma packages. The last client-side technology I want to talk about is something called Fable Static. And it's client-side might not be the word for it, but basically what it is is I can write uh, software given Fable, especially Fable Elmish, and I can create static content for it. So if you have a website that you want to build, such as, I don't know, the documentation for Fable.io, and you want to be done in a static way so it gets all those nice benefits, you can do so in F-Sharp itself. Um, so I'd highly recommend checking that out if you're interested. I mentioned that that was the last client site technology I want to talk about today, because the last thing I want to talk about today is the ability to use F-Sharp both on the client and on the server. So with the safe stack, I can use Suave on the back end, so which is Suave is a really nice uh, server-side web framework for F sharp. I can use Azure as a host or whatever other host I want to use. I can use Fable, which is this great means of converting my F sharp source code into JavaScript, and I can use the um, Elmish, which is this nice model view architecture framework built on top of Fable. And there's, there's great documentation about that, and I'd really recommend checking out what you can do in that. There's a great template specifically I want you guys to check out. All right, guys, time to close up. So we've talked about a lot of stuff today. Specifically, we've introduced this podcast, we've shown off what Fable is, what Fable Elmish is, kind of got yourself thinking about what the Elmish architecture is or what the model view update architecture is, and we've talked about a number of different side projects that are within the Fable ecosystem, of course a subset of the much larger and gorgeous F-Sharp ecosystem. So I want to give some closing thoughts. If you want to get in contact with me, or if you want to get in contact with anyone in the F-Sharp community, I highly recommend checking out Twitter. Uh, there's a really good representation of F-Sharp users there. Uh, my specific uh, Twitter accounts are justashu.net for my personal one, S-T-A-C-H-U-D-O-T-N-E-T, and WTF-Sharpcast uh, as well, with an underscore in the middle. Uh, you can check out my GitHub, stashu.net again, uh, Slack, I'm on there once in a while. There's a Slack group for F-Sharp developers. If you want to check out more Fable projects, check out the awesome Fable project on GitHub. In addition to the awesome F-Sharp project, there's a Reddit community around F-Sharp. Uh, FableConf just came out recently, or just happened recently, and there's videos around that. 
There's, of course, always the F Sharp Weekly, which is a great uh, means of keeping up to date every week. Uh, good guy, Sergey Tihon, puts out more content that he collects from the community, and he puts it out in a nice, readable format, including the uh, F Sharp Advent that's going on right now. And uh, there's a lot of good stuff in the F-Sharp space. And if you have any questions of how you can get started, please let me know. I'd be happy to put you in contact with the right people. I I look forward to doing more episodes in the future. If you are interested in acting as a guest on the show, I'm certainly interested in having guests. I have a few that I've talked to before, and we'll we'll see how we can get this rolling. Uh, Before I finally close up, I just want to say thank you for for listening. This has been a a pretty long episode. I don't think it will all be this long. Um, And uh, I hope you have a good one. 